Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the Track Podcast. It's Friday, August 21st. My name is Lincoln Shrike, joined by Gordon Mack. Gordon, it's been a bit since we've done a pod together. How have you been? question isn't how I have been. How have you been? You've not been on the podcast in two weeks plus. Uh, you have a new baby girl, right? So what, what's what's been going on in your life the past two weeks? Well, uh, I wake up every two hours and I burp a, a child and change diapers. It's pretty predictable, honestly. Um, so you get used to the sleep schedule and then it uh, it's not too bad, you know. It's obviously very nice to have a new child. It's hard, but you get used to it quickly and you have a new routine and everybody gets in line and you just kind of get through the first few weeks of, you know, a newborn not knowing anything and and you struggling to get reacquainted or get acquainted with this child. So it's a it's a lot of fun. It's a it's a big challenge, of course, especially when you have two kids, as Kevin can probably attest. When both kids are crying at the same time, it's a it's a it's a whole different ball game. So, uh, but I am I'm happy to be back. You know, truth be told, on Wednesday we did a podcast, but we had some technical difficulties. So it was a it was a false start. Um, but I'm here. Hopefully, this one goes goes uh, according to plan, and I'm I'm back for good now. One more baby question: What's the one mm-hmm. thing? Cause this is baby number two. Uh, What's the uh, one thing you did not miss, but now have to relive, relive through? Like, what's like? Oh, I I hated this part of infant child care, and what's the best part? Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a at least with my two kids so far. There's just a period before like formal bedtime, about seven to eight p.m., where you know the child is just inconsolable crying, and there's not really any rhyme or reason for it. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a kind of a good thing because, you know, bedtime's coming, but it, there, there's no explanation for it. And I forgot with my, my son, he had that period too from like, his was a little earlier from like six to eight, maybe. They just, they just won't stop crying. And so it, 
it's positive on the side of oh you know bedtime's coming but it's just so you know annoying and like hard to keep your your nerves about you so didn't miss that part of course diapers i mean you just get used to that because there's so many of them but uh the the uh pre-bed like anger phase is not something i was uh prepared for again so it's kind of like athletes when we have right before our final rep or like we know we have like two more reps to go you have that whining or like when a coach tells you like okay now you gotta do him a mile like after you thought you're done with your workout and the coach yeah. is like, we're gonna do one more mile you're like uh, you start crying you know i hadn't thought to equate that or to to uh, equate that to to running but you did a good job there uh yeah i would hope that an athlete wouldn't be screaming at the top of their lungs after when they have a, <laughs> another another rep to go but um maybe some resort to that um it's a good it's a good comparison i like it i'll take it well you uh you've been gone for two weeks me yeah. and kevin Kept people hopefully entertained. Uh, <laughs> Kevin probably did more of the entertaining. I just I just talked back. Uh, but uh, did you uh, did you like follow track at all during the past two weeks, or what were you doing? Yeah, were you like, just kind of. Well, we, Kevin and I, Kevin and I discussed this on Wednesday the the, the podcast that that will never be. Um, yeah, I mean I've I followed. Uh, I I figured cross country was going to be wiped out. NCAA cross country was going to be wiped out in this. Um, time I was gone and that ended up happening at least I guess there hasn't been like I mean, there was the the formal announcement and then then there was the uh the fit, hitting the 50% threshold so it's kind of an interesting thing it's like nobody knew for sure I know Mark Emmert came out and said no we can't have fall championships um but with the uncertainty around football it's a little confusing and then they just hit the 50% threshold anyways and it didn't really matter so I followed that, and then of course with Monaco, I knew Monaco was going to be a good meet, and I think it exceeded expectations. So, in that regard, yeah, I followed it. So I, I, I was I kept up with the beats of of everything going on for sure. Was Monaco the first track meet that your daughter watched? <laughs> like, was she in your arms um, when you were watching? She definitely the guy? did not. She is not. She can't recognize computer screens too well yet so not yet although the other day my son who's almost five we were watching uh what did the the meat and hungry uh that we that we had the continental tour and i was just you know wanting it to get back to the track action he though was absolute which you'll you'll appreciate he was loving the triple jump because it was he loves jumping and he's like fascinated with there being sand involved and I was thinking of you. I was like, "Oh man," because I know Gordon. That's one of your favorite events. Just kidding. Um, it was funny to see someone really appreciate the triple jump. And every time they did it, didn't matter if it was like a sixteen meter jump or a seventeen four jump. He was like, "Whoa!" You know. So, and then he was practicing at home, jumping over my wife's yoga mat. So I don't know. I mean, he's not going to have the natural <laughs> uh -oh. ability, probably. But we've got maybe we've got a potential triple jumper now in my house. I'm I'm kind of excited about it. That's exciting. There you go. You gotta um, remember that moment. So then you know what? 20, 20 years from now, when he's at the Olympic final, you'd be <laughs> like, "Hey, it was the hungry meat yeah. in uh, yeah. Sheshkavar." So. Sheshkavar, Sheshkavar, yeah. <laughs> so this weekend we have a, a bunch of more track um the yeah. under armor sunset tour which is gonna be live on flow tomorrow 
Uh, it's a quick little meet. I think it's like an hour and a half. I think there's like five races. And then we have the Diamond yeah. League. We have another Continental Tour meet in Tokyo. Uh, so a lot of track, man. It's almost as if there was no pandemic, right? It's just a typical track weekend. It seems like it. It, it. Other than you look at the particulars of the Under Armour Sunset Tour meet and the public's not being made aware of where the meet's actually being held, undisclosed location in California. So if you can get all the tracks in the state of California and you pick the right one, I imagine there's hundreds if not thousands of tracks and you can guess the right one, you could, I guess, show up, although you probably would be turned away. But they're not letting anyone know where this meet is being held. And uh, it's going to be a pretty good meet. I mean, Edward Cheserek versus Joe Klecker, I'd I'd watch that. I'm excited to see that. Cheserek's been rocking a a mustache for the last few weeks or months. I'm I'm excited to see that in action. Can he run under 1310 with a mustache? I mean, all things I need to see in in this pandemic shortened season. Yeah, I remember uh, during early, not early flow track days, but my early flow track days, we did a a uh, Stashies for Nashies music video, and we made a joke that that uh, Cheserek had a mustache, but he didn't really have a mustache. Now he has yeah. a mustache. Now so, he has a legit so, mustache. So yeah, it's a legit. It's yeah. very, it's very strong. So uh, yeah. looking at the field, obviously. Uh, it's a women's 800, men's mile, women's 15, men's 5K, women's 5K. I guess we'll just go through each one because it's only five. Women's eight, Brenda yeah. Martinez. She ran 202 recently. Coburn's in the race. Corey McGee. I think the interesting will be McGee's having a good season. Will she – do you think she can run sub 201? I know her I PR is over under there. Yeah, I'd say the over-under is 201. She has a PR of 201, and she's been running really, really well. And I didn't know until writing the preview yesterday that she had a 201 PR. Um, I did not, wouldn't have anticipated it being that fast. That's pretty impressive for uh, a 1,500-meter runner. Obviously, Shelby Houlihan sets the standard there, but for everyone else, 201 is pretty solid for a 1,500-meter runner. Um, so coming off a 403 PR last week at Music City, real good shot. And, you know, Martinez, you imagine a couple weeks after running 202, which, by the way, was her first 800 in like over two years. She's probably going to be going faster. Yeah, I think this race is probably going to be run around two flat and uh, we'll see how many can get it done. I'm also excited to see Coburn. She hasn't run an eight, I think, in a decade. So first, what, what can she possibly do? Uh, she's done... I think miles and 1500s up to this point, no steeples, I guess, this season. And now she's really dropping down. So we'll see how she can test those wheels. I think her PR is like 209. So I think she will, uh, I think she'll break that. Still waiting for Coburn, though, to run that 5K, right? Just like, yeah. come on. There's a 5K pacing, in this meet. She's pacing. She's pacing it count. The 5K. No, it doesn't count. Definitely doesn't count. I don't know if it's going to happen this uh, season. I, I I don't know. Yeah. I don't think it's ever going to happen. It could be a yeah. – she just go you – know, she just decide, hey, I'm never going to do 5K. Screw it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you have against 12 and a half laps? Jeez. I know, right? Women's 1500, Sinclair Johnson makes her debut. That's kind of the main thing I'm looking forward to there. Do you think we'll see yeah. a Sinclair Johnson who runs a, you know, a sub 405? Or are we going to see a Sinclair Johnson who runs like – six minutes because she has to for the nike contract <laughs> oh interesting oh wow you think this could be a jog i, I hadn't gone that route 
competition, if, if Sinclair Johnson's on a normal level or, you know, what we saw last year, this shouldn't be that competitive a race. The next fastest person, I think, has run 4.11. She's much faster than that. Uh, she herself has run two flats, so she has really, really good speed. Um, yeah, a couple questions here. Like, you're right. Is she going to try, or is this going to be a Matt Centrowitz three-minute 800 type of an effort to satisfy a contract? Not really sure. She's supposed to be joining Bowerman Track Club at some point, so will she be wearing the Bowerman jersey? My my suspicion says no, but I guess we don't really know yet. That'll be something interesting to to watch. Um, but I hadn't honestly thought that she might just be jogging this. I, I yeah. I, do you think that's going to happen? Uh, yeah, I'll make I'll be more of a joke about the jog. I don't think anyone here is going to yeah. jog in a. Yeah, I think people are going to jog in races that everyone is saying, hey, we're all jogging, like the way the sprint meets were and how Bowerman said, hey, we're all jogging. Uh, it'll just be really awkward if like one guy's like, I'm not going to jog. And, you know, then it just kind of ruins the whole pur purpose. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think she should have. I mean, is she officially on Bowerman? Has Bowerman made an official announcement? I mean, no. we found out via, via like the fifth paragraph of a random like track and field news article. Yeah. track and field news article so maybe yeah. it just hadn't hasn't been confirmed yet i don't know maybe she's waiting till next you know maybe waiting for her like her apartment lease to be up maybe that's the thing i don't know yeah it's it's interesting because it, you would have thought once that became news there you would have thought they would have made a move because Bowerman, they made that now announcement about uh, Gabriella W. Stafford and she's not joined the team yet but they haven't made a similar announcement uh about uh, Sinclair Johnson. So maybe, I don't know, who knows, maybe something hit a bump in the road and that's not going to happen. I, I don't know. We'll find out, I guess, if she's wearing the BTC kit this weekend. So she should be the big favorite in that one. I'm, I'll be interested to see how that goes, just knowing that it is her season debut and she hasn't raced. I mean, I think since indoors. So, I mean, and then she only ran like one race indoors. So it, it has not been very many, uh, many races for her since she finished fourth at USA's in July of 2019, which feels like 10 years ago. What are your thoughts on the 5K? This is going to... The men's 5K? I feel like this, this, podcast, this podcast right now seems very just like straight down the middle. Down the middle. We need to, we need to, we need to inject some, some fire takes on these, uh, these races. Yeah. I think... I mean, my take is I think Joe Klecker is going to give... Edward Cheserek a run for his money this this uh, this weekend in this five thousand. The PRs are way way different. Ches has got a thirteen oh four. I think Klecker's only thirteen thirty. But that's kind of the story of being only in the college system versus being out on your own and getting to go to Europe and whatnot. I think Klecker is much closer to a thirteen ten to thirteen fifteen type guy. And who knows if Cheserek's really fit. He could drag Klecker to a huge, huge PR. You also have Ollie Hoare in there, who I know is a fifteen hundred guy, but who knows? I mean, he just ran three thirty four. He's clearly fit. Um, I'm still going to go with Cheserek. That's not an off the wall take, of course, um, but I will be very excited to see how these on guys try to stick with this the Skechers star. Some some uh, some uh, niche brand matchups going on here, if you will. I like that. What do you, what are you talking about? Yeah. Um, I mean, Cheserek is good. It's a big 
unknown, right? Because I mean, he hasn't raced since indoor, right? Did he race? Yeah. Did he even race indoor? I think he did. Yeah, he did. He ran five k a couple times, uh, or three k. Yeah. And something. he ran well. Um, he ran well in a five k, if I remember yeah. right. Yeah, we haven't. He hasn't done anything, and I did reach out to his coach, Stephen Haas, and I asked, like, hey, what's the pace going to be? He said they're rich is trying to get it pace, but if not, it's just going to be a a race. There's not like a hey, we're trying to run this a sub thirteen mm. or a sub whatever. You know, it's just more of a get get out there and race each other. I mean, yeah. and uh, I think it's good. It's a good field for Chez to race. It's not like he's racing against Cholimo and you know Yomif Kajelcha or something like that. He's just you know racing against guys in around his age range who can who can compete. Joe Klecker has yet to have a fast five k on his yeah. uh, resume. Maybe maybe this would be his first, like you said, uh, more in the thirteen teens as opposed to a thirteen thirties. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm excited for that. That's the race I'm most excited for, mainly because it's just the Chez factor, and you just haven't seen oh, yeah. him, right? He's kind of been yeah. hiding in flag, hiding in flag, just doing his thing, growing out that mustache. Right. If you have time to grow out that mustache, you, hopefully, at the same time, he's developing a, a superior uh, training regimen to get ready to run a fast time. That's I, I feel like the the mustache is always a sign that you're like really taking training so seriously that you don't have time to navigate your upper lip. And I, so I look at that as a big positive that pushes the ball even further in his favor here. Um, his last race, Dude, February that... 28th, indoors, he ran 1309. So I, yes, that's been, <clears throat> excuse me, it's been six months ago, but I think a, a similar level of performance is definitely possible. We see all these distance athletes coming off having not raced in six months and then they go out and crush it. A la, I know Joshua Chef guys at a different level, but I don't think there's any excuse not to run fast. Even in the, the pandemic, you've had plenty of training, plenty of speed workouts. I think they're going to be ready to go. And maybe, maybe he doesn't run a PR, but a 13 0 performance well within his range. It, it, it depended on getting a pacer. If they can get a pacer, obviously it makes me a little anxious. If if Ritz is getting the pacer, it's probably going to be for whatever they're trying to get Klecker to run. But if they can get out in front of Chez and put crank it up to thirteen ten pace, we could see something pretty fast. Yeah, and then the women's five k got Battle of NCAA champions, Monson and Danny Jones. Yeah, I'm so I'm waiting for like that Danny Jones race where we're like, wow, you know, uh, like his mm -hmm. in college. Obviously, she won the cross country title. Uh, she was when easily won easily won the five k. Uh, but we kind of were like, yeah, you're running, you're winning the five k, but like we don't, we're not seeing you in the fifteen hundred against uh. Jessica Hall and Sinclair Johnson, right? And yeah. then we're like, all right. We were like, 2020 will be the year of Danny Jones kind of like showing right, right. like I'm legit where she was entered in the 800 and the mile, right? And we're like, oh, wow. Okay, now she's going to go up against Nia Aikens. Then she's going to go into the outdoor season just like to show off. But we haven't seen that, right? And then now that she's right. on the team boss, I mean, she's in some races, but she's not like showing like she's next great female american athlete mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm waiting for that moment because i feel like she has yeah. that talent to be like the big newcomer but she has yet to really kind of put up a performance that's like hey watch out 
Like what I would want to see from her would be like I want to see her run like sub fifteen. You know, yeah, for sure, sure. Because I feel like, like, would you rather have Vanessa Frazier or Dana Jones? You should. Most people would be like Danny Jones, right? But like Vanessa Fraser can run sub fifteen. Danny Jones has run like fifteen, teams, sub 15 14, 50. Yeah. Her her PR is due to go down. It's only fifteen seventeen. Here's the thing. I obviously this is a small meet, so it's not like it's gonna be headline grabbing if she was to win this, but this is a sneaky deep women's field. Nine women have have broken fifteen twenty, which I know fifteen twenty when you got an American record holder at fourteen twenty three doesn't scream. Fabulous, but uh, I think this is a field that is capable of somebody dipping under 15, 15 minutes. When you talk about, you've got the marathoners from NAZ Elite, Taylor and Bruce. Uh, you've got, uh, like you mentioned, Jones and Monson. You got Sharon Lochetti in, in here. Uh, Dom Scott, who's got the fastest PR and the lone sub 15. I mean, it's a pretty good field. And I could see Jones winning this and, and really having that, that breakout race and maybe scaring 15 minutes. I think she's fully capable of that. She ran 15, 17 indoors. I don't think that was entirely indicative of, of her ability at all. You're right. She just hasn't had that, like, maybe since winning in Stibley Cross, she hasn't necessarily had that wow moment. Um, and this could potentially be it. This is a strong field of pretty experienced professionals and winning this would would be a, a big step towards possibly her getting in the conversation of being a 5000 meter olympic team making contender because she's not that at this point right i mean with the the ascent of um chris Swizer with uh the, the some of the other Bowman women with Shannon Roberry getting back on form She's not in that mix, and maybe you know maybe she runs the fifteen hundred at the trials. But this this is, could be a big race for her to to get in that conversation because she's not yet. And uh, yeah, we'll see. This is the field for her to do it. This is a, this should be a good one. That's right around fifteen minutes. This weekend we also have the, the Stockholm Diamond League. A lot of repeat athletes. Um, and then before we talk about that, I do want to talk about some other kind of news that did hit. The wire. I'm not sure if you mm. noticed. Uh, Brooks gave a an incentive laden contract to a YouTuber. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not just a YouTuber. He was a collegiate athlete. Ran for uh, Georgetown's name Spencer Brown. He's a 339 guy, which is mm-hmm. which is good. It's not it's not bad, but it's not like he wasn't the in the category of a Josh Kerr, Oliver Hoare type person. Uh, sure and. They sign him. Apparently, basically, he gets to spend the next year training with the Brooks Beasts to earn a spot on the team if he can hit certain performance markers. Uh, and if he does, then the deal will get extended. What are your thoughts on Brooks hiring Spencer Brown, former Georgetown athlete, to a pro deal? Well, the optics of it are interesting, right? As there's only been a handful of pros, NCAA athletes to sign pro contracts uh, in this pandemic kind of strange season. It's interesting. Uh, certain, you know, you look at a pro athlete and they're, why they're signing shoe brand deals is marketability. And you would think someone who has a presence online, they certainly have marketability. And, and you know, as has been mentioned, 
he's a solid runner. You're not going to normally get a pro contract for a 339 guy. Um, and I, th- I think, you know, I think his skills at the professional level are strictly limited to, to the 1500 mile. So um, that said, this isn't a typical pro deal, right? He's kind of, kind of earn it. And I know Brooks is going to be counting on him, obviously documenting it on his social media channels. So it's an interesting thing. Um, I think as you, you know, we kind of discussed this through text message as you, as you, as you have mentioned, uh, Brooks has kind of done stuff like this before where they take chances that maybe other brands don't, whether it be with signing beer milers, uh, whether it be uh, taking on a late stage, Nick Simmons, late career, Nick Simmons. Uh, who else am I missing? They, they've signed seems some, some off the wall type type things before. And this falls right in line with that. Um, I'm curious. It's obviously a lot of work to, it sounds like I'm being sarcastic, but I'm not. But to have an online presence and to, to be an influencer of sorts is a lot of work. You have to obviously post a ton of videos and you got to be very, very, very committed to, you know, your social media game and editing videos and whatnot. I'm curious if other athletes will follow this model, like saying, well, in a traditional sense, I'm not going to be getting picked up by the Brooks Beast. I'm not going to be, you know, a target for a brand, but possibly if I have a bunch of followers and I'm a strong enough runner, maybe I can get the the Spencer Brown type of a deal. Obviously, I mean, that's not going to be everyone. And most people are not going to be documenting every step of their running career. But this is interesting, right? It, it makes sense from the fact of you, you see what is the point of a brand deal. It's marketing the products to the everyman. Well, that makes all the sense in the world for somebody who has a bunch of followers online. So while it doesn't fit the traditional mold and you're kind of like r- rolling your eyes at the in some senses, because you're like, well, they couldn't use that money on maybe somebody more worthy from a strictly performance standpoint. It makes sense from what they're trying to do and which is sell shoes and sell, sell gear. What was your reaction? Yeah. I mean, my reaction was it makes sense. Uh, and, and it's kind of like, it's just like, I kind of laughed, but like laughed in like a positive way. I was like, huh, like, oh, okay, of course. Like that's that, like that, you know. I'm 32 now, right? And I'm kind of slowly realizing, like, I'm lose. I'm not part of the demographic as much anymore, right? Because what 18 to 35, so I'm getting out of that 35 range, right? I'm going near there, mm. and the content that I consume is very different from the content someone who's 10 years younger than me consumes. And uh, I'm always like, kind of like flabbergasted when I see like these these new wave of YouTubers and running vloggers and like they grow these massive followers. I'm kind of like, I don't get it. And the reason why I don't get it is because I'm just too old to get it. Uh, But it's kind of like, of course, right? This makes sense. Like this is how it works. Mm -hmm. Like these people, this generation has figured out how to hook people, how to get people interested in their content and more power to you. Like respect, you're playing the game and you're winning the game. And yeah. Spencer, I mean, again, 339 is no joke. Like, not many people wake up and can run 339. Um, I mean, what is that the equivalent of? Like a three, like 50, 356, 357, 350, right? Yeah, 356. So, hey, yeah. sub-four miler. Yeah, the worst thing, you're at least going to be a great, like, training partner, right? Like, mm-hmm. anyone who's a sub-four miler can help train with, you know, give Josh Kerr someone to – 
to pace like a rabbit. You know what I mean? Like, think about it. I mean, yeah. Brooks had a glorified rabbit guy in uh, Matt, Matt Scherer. Remember? He was the one who was yeah, yeah, pacing yeah. all of Rodisha's 800s. So he's going to be a great pacer. He's going to be a great influencer. And the bonus would be, hey, maybe he figures out a way and he gets really good and is able to have like a massive PR and run like 336, make a U.S. final, maybe, you know, get six and then get selected to like a Pan Am team or something like that. Like there's so many like that's all like icing on the cake, whereas the foundation will be he'll be able to be a good training partner because he's fit and he'll be able to be a great influencer because he has a a platform that, let's be honest, people are going to follow what is his YouTube channel, Athlete Special, Athlete Special, more than they would yeah. follow the Brooks Beast YouTube channel. Like, as much as like a brand or like a team would want to like put out, did we lose? Oh, as much as a brand or team would love to create a social media presence, doesn't work. You need it to be authentic, and yeah. authentic comes from an actual YouTuber. Because more people are going to learn about Brooks on the Athlete Special YouTube channel than they will on a Brooks YouTube channel. And I think recognizing mm-hmm. that as genius from marketing yeah gen what is it what are we on now gen z's or whatever they're gen z they're very focused on seemingly the authentic content right they don't they don't like brand stuff which i mean who does but that you're you're completely right there what i'm interested in his contract runs through 2021 what is the performance what's what's I i wish they would have kind of announced like what he has to do to like actually get brought on as a full time. Yeah, I know he's on the Brooks Beast and he'll get to train with Josh Kerr and whatnot every day, but like what what standards does he have to hit to like become a full time member after 2021? I think being transparent if Brooks or he, I'm sure he will be, but is transparent about like what exactly he needs to do. Is it like you have to make the Olympic trials final? That would seem a little harsh, but or or you know, you have to make the Olympic trials semis. To, to be brought on, like, which is a much more attainable goal, but still well, would be hard. Because, I mean, this guy's got to make it to USA's. It's not a guarantee, of course, he's going to even make it to, to the Olympic trials. It'd be cool if that was laid out right now. And so we're like, all right, we know what this guy needs to do. Because it'll be a fun, it's going to be a fun story to follow next year, I think, right? Uh, is this, this YouTuber, and he's more than just a YouTuber. It's not like Jake Paul is trying to make the 1500 US trials final. Uh, but he, but he's trying to to you know mix it up with the centros and the angles of the, of the world. Um, it'd be it'd be cool to know what exactly he has to do to earn a, a contract past twenty twenty one. And I don't think it was said in the press release. They said he has to hit certain performance things, but would love to know what those are. I mean, I bet there's like different triggers. Like I, I bet if he makes the trials final, that's going to be like a guarantee for like an extension, well, right? Because yeah. That'd right, be hard, it's like though. all right. If you're it'd able to, really it'd be hard, right? But that's like that's like the Super Bowl, right? Making yeah. the the trials final, then you're like, all right, we're you're on. We're we're gonna we'll ride you for the next two years. We'll give you like a two year extension, right? Because if you can make yeah. a trials final, anything can happen. And then they'll probably say, all right, but if you don't make it, maybe it's you make the semifinals and you you well, it's only two rounds or three rounds. I don't know, but they probably pick a time. I mean, what three rounds? What would you what would you say is a time that would he he would need to run? Yeah. Let's that run time. Say that yeah. What's the time? 
he needs to be able to run times that his teammates are running, obviously excluding Josh Kerr. Josh Kerr is one of the seven best 1500 meter runners in the world, but he needs to be able to run probably 336, 335, right? Consistently. Um, Looking at his tilt. 337. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. It's going to be performance at meets. It's not, I don't think it's going to be time based. It's going to be like, how do you do? It's going to be a little awkward, though, if he starts beating some of his Brooks Beast teammates. <laughs> Obviously, save Josh Kerr, and he's like on this performance based contract, and they're not. Uh, he's going to be like, well, I'm beating these guys. So, and I'm documenting it on my uh, YouTube channel. Maybe he can sign like an online, get an online petition, like pressure Brooks to sign me for two more years. Who knows? It could, it's going to be, it's going to be well, a drama. He could probably create his own promo code and then be like, you're not going to unsign me because look how many people are using this promo code to buy shoes. Like I literally am making you profit by like, you make more money than what you give to me. You know, like I am a revenue generator. So that's the galaxy brain thing. Does it, does he even need to perform or is it just all in the YouTube? Brooks just want to have an influencer on their side. Uh, I don't know. I'm wondering who's like pissed off about this though. Is it, the people that he cru- that that uh, that crushed him in college in the fifteen hundred that don't have a deal right now are they like come on man what the heck I don't like, I I mean I think I don't think most people aren't I think most people get it I don't if you're pissed off yeah. about it you're just like a bitter human being yeah and you're just like not fun to be around I mean mm-hmm. I thought the same way about people who were upset about a beer mile they're getting a scholarship uh, a scholarship a sponsorship it's like sorry but like. Were there, there, the, the idea that a sponsorship goes out and that means that means you don't get one, I don't think it's true. I, I think it's not a one-for-one one deal. Like I, I think the money that they're putting in on, in on Spencer Brown isn't like money that they would have put in on the guy who would have finished third at the indoor mile. Like I just think mm-hmm. – I don't think it's equal. I think they kind of – I think it's a different category, whatever. Uh, but I don't think anyone's upset. I mean, you run 339. So, you, I mean, even if he doesn't improve 339 and he's like uh, just continuously runs like 340s, that is a great training partner. You don't mm-hmm. need to be mm-hmm. running 336s to be able to hang in workouts, right? Like, mm-hmm. no, no, you're right. Like, are, are hey, Maybe he could be their glorified, like I said, glorified pacer. Like, hey, yeah. what, how do we get Josh Kerr to run 333? Oh, we need someone to go out there and run a, a 152, 800. Oh, I can do that because I'm a 340 mm-hmm. guy and I can run 152, right? So, boom. And yeah. you're not asking someone like Isaac Yorks to, like, sacrifice a racing opportunity to pace Josh. You're like, hey, we have someone who can do it. And he's more than willing to do it because he's he's just happy to be here, you know? Mm. You need those guys. Yeah, good point. Those teammates get annoyed though when they, they constantly have a, a a vlogging camera in their face. That's that's to be determined. Yeah, I'm gonna be fascinated to see how this plays out. Okay, quickly before we we run out of time, Stockholm Diamond League. You mentioned there's a lot of repeat events. I'm not gonna complain about though about seeing Donovan Brazier, about seeing Carson Warholm, uh, about seeing Timothy Chariot versus Ingebrigtsen. Start there with Chariot versus Ingebrigtsen. Uh, Ingebrigtsen closer than he's ever been last week in Monaco to Timothy Chariot. Now we've got a race a little closer to his home soil. 
up there in the in the Nordic countries uh, as they go as they, as they race in Stockholm. Who are you taking? You think you think Chariot stays on top, or you like an Ingebrigtsen who just broke the European record? I mean, the correct take is Tim Chariot because you're never like it's the one where if you're wrong, you're like you're dumb for being wrong. Yeah, but if you're right you get no credit for it because it's like, oh, yeah, that was an easy decision, right? It's like always yeah, yeah, picking, yeah. you know, the the Warriors to win the title right? When on their run. It's like you look stupid if you don't pick them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, think, I think Jacob isn't going to be ready to beat him until next year, so I'll still go with Chariot. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to go the opposite way. I think – I, I do think the race was close last week simply because Chariot was so aggressive with some bad pacers that it nearly cost him. He was really tired by the end. I thought he was going to get caught in the last lap. Didn't. Um, but, uh, no, I, I think this is the race. Ingebrigtsen's not taken over for good by any means. Timothy Chariot's still very young, still very much at the beginning of his prime. Um, but I think Ingebrigtsen takes him here. It's gonna be, that's going to be the headline coming out of this meet. Uh, so we'll see. I don't think it's going to be as fast as Monaco. This track has proven over the years to not be, I don't think, one of the faster tracks on the circuit. But I think I think Ingebrigtsen finds a way to beat him. We'll, we'll see. Uh, this race, this meet, by the way, goes down on Sunday. Didn't did not make that clear. And then the Under Armour Sunset Tour at an undisclosed location is Saturday. So back-to-back fun track action. Uh, other, other, other races, we got Donovan Brazier coming back in the eight would have loved to seen Bryce Hopple coming back against him. A little bit of a rematch after their close finish. We do not get that, but Brazier, uh, I imagine he he'll come away with the victory. This field, it's got some dudes in it. Like, don't get me wrong, but I don't see anybody right now that's going to give it to, to Donovan Brazier. The, the interesting one though, is the British young star kind of in the, in the mold of Jakob Ingebrigtsen and Max Bergen who is very young. I need to look up how young he is, but he's been like an age group star for for many years, and he's only 18 years old, and he just ran 144.7 uh, a couple weeks ago, or I guess last week. How fast will he go going up against the the world champ in a, in a, in a really quality field? That's going to be interesting. But a lot of the same guys that we saw last week, uh, Ferguson Rotich, uh Marco Arop, Amel Tuca, Wesley Vasquez, who nearly beat Brazier at the 600 this week in, in Hungary. It's a long-winded way to say this is a pretty exciting one, and you add in that young star and see how fast he can go relative to Brazier. I, it's going to be one to watch. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, Do you think Brazier breaks 143? Really have... Yeah, I think so. I think he kind of after his oh, wow. Monaco – I think after his Monaco race, he's kind of like, I didn't feel like I had a good race. You know, I did, kind of didn't – because they went out a little bit slow. I think he's mm-hmm. – I think he's I think he's building up for a big splash. Which may, I think that splash right. maybe happens this weekend. Maybe not. I'm not sure mm-hmm. how many more races he has planned. Like, does he plan on it. keep on going? Is this the last one? No, I think this is it. Yeah, this is it. Okay. Pretty sure. So – so who's going to run in the the second wave of Diamond Leagues? Like who's going to run in the September ones? I wonder. It's a great question. They've Maybe they've called more European me. people. They've called me. You know, they're like, "Hey, what are you thinking? What distance you want?" 
Uh, no, I'm just kidding. His son's going to enter uh, the triple jump? Yeah, he's, he's big. He's looking to make it to the sand, um, which he would not be able to do. Um, I have no idea because there's – dang, I just didn't realize there's so many meets left. Like, holy cow. Yeah. There's so, I guess some of these aren't happening. They've still got <clears throat> Eugene up here, which is not, no, not happening. No, I mean, but- Lausanne, and then two days later, Brussels, and then – you have Paris, Rome, Rome or it, yeah. you have Italy. Paris, Paris is canceled. You have Italy, and you oh, have yeah, uh, like Kenya. No, no, that Kenya is. A, uh, you have Doha. Doha. Send me back to Doha for the hummus and the soup. Waqif, I'll be. I'm ready to go. Um, yeah, there's a lot left. Too bad Brazier's done. Uh, I, I believe. I believe I saw that this is going to be it for him. So. We'll see. I mean, maybe since it is the last race, he's really going to rip, go for it, and just say, "I'm going to try to run one. I'm going to try to run an American record." Uh, I doubt it, but because, like I said, this track <clears throat> not super, super fast. Last year was really slow meet. Um, I think that was some weather related things, but yeah, this track's not anywhere level on, on the level of Monaco. But we'll see. Uh, what else do we have? We got Mondo going in the pole vault. I mean, he's going to win. That's pretty much how that works every time, right? And then Carson Warholm going to dominate the 400-meter hurdles. Those events can be a little boring <laughs> when you consider how, how good those guys are. And uh, especially in the 400 hurdles, when you don't have Ry Benjamin there, you don't have Samba, the 400 hurdles is just completely the, the uh, Warholm show. And he can, he, can carry, uh, he can carry a event all by himself, but it'd be nice to see some of those other guys. So a decent Diamond League. Obviously, with the pandemic, it's hard to have a great one, but uh, I'll be watching on Sunday. Me too. Should be good. Anything else to add? No, I think uh, that's, the London that's the the London field was announced, but we can uh, we'll break that down uh, next week. Uh, something to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are Americans: yeah. uh, Jared Ward, there are Americans. Molly Seidel, and Sarah War- Sarah Hall. So that should be exciting. Jared Ward. Yeah. And Jared Ward. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll get into that in much more detail next week. For myself, Lincoln Shrike, he is Gordon Mack. We'll see you on Monday. Email the pod.